Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate hi this is ruben off the cheek i'm pat nevin i'm mason mount you're listening to the london is blue podcast all right chelsea fans welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I'm trying to pace myself here because uh, it's your host, as always, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan, gentlemen. This is the Man City Match Review, Nick. It is. I'm, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. Okay. But some things happened. There was sure. a result. There's some other things that are about to happen. This is this is going to be a big one today. We, we've been going, this is now, I think, the third episode, at least for me in a row, where I've said, all right, Chelsea fans, go enjoy this. We'll see how long it lasts. Well, now we're on like the third one and we've just been enjoying for like two and a half weeks now. I'm going to burst. We're not like tweeds. We don't have two hours of material per one pod, but but there's there's quite a bit to talk about right now. You know, as as head script writer of the show, I put together just an enormous uh, script for us to, to take in today. Uh, but Dan, there's only one. Uh, championship that we need to celebrate right now, and that is the Chelsea women officially becoming FAWSL champions, uh, but a mere few seconds ago. Chelsea champions, Chelsea champions, Chelsea champions. She's done it again. Emma Hayes, two down, two to go. And it is a wonderful, wonderful story. So, yeah, I mean, we got Ann Catcher-Berger going to get the golden glove. You got the golden boot for Sam Kerr. It's just been a phenomenal season. Kirby linking up multiple times today, uh, both giving and receiving to one another. It was was amazing. It was an amazing match to watch pre-recording. And we've also got a wonderful men's first team match to talk about today as well. It's it's great. Uh, Emma Hayes, a casual 10th trophy. Um, NBD. if If you're keeping track at home... Uh, that's that's a lot of trophies uh, for one person. Uh, that's a John Terry esque photo incoming <laughs> from from the end of his career. So look, uh, we we didn't want to uh, make this a footnote um, on the Man City pod, so we are going to do our damnedest to have a full Chelsea women's uh, title celebration pod coming out uh, Tuesday morning. So just stay tight for that. We want to give the women the respect they deserve. But Brandon. We had a big Man City match to talk about, too. So all this stuff is happening at once. It's very confusing. Yep, a lot, a lot. And it's going to be a big week uh, from content in general. But that's what happens when you follow Chelsea. But hey, 
big name guest pulling out all the punches for this one. The man who knows Manchester better than all of us, NisarKinsleyGoal.com. Naz, it hasn't been too long, but boy, are we glad we scheduled you for this one. Welcome back, sir. Yeah, yeah, good to be back. Seems to be happier and happier times every time I'm with you now. It's it's great. I mean, I remember some lows. We've been through it all. <laughs> well, it, it, it absolutely has. The beginning of the season to the middle, and now as we wrap up to the end, it has been a tale of multiple chapters and multiple twists and turns, and we're, we're going to get into it. Uh, I think to start right away, though, we'll hit the three-word match reviews um, specifically in this pod. We're going to be talking about Chelsea's stunning second half to halt Man City's title celebrations. Might just skip past the first half, maybe the last five minutes, I think, of the first half. Uh, the key contributors and a side full of changes after Wednesday's emotional victory over Real Madrid. And then again... Tuchel best, besting Pep. Can he make it a hat trick? There's the, the one that matters coming up. And then top four probabilities, no data driven. So, Dan, let's set the mood here with the three word match reviews. And for those of you out there, this is part of analysis. We need to hear where the fans are at so we can play off of that throughout the show. There were literally 500 of these today. Okay. Like our Discord server was pages and pages, Twitter was pages and pages. I tried my best. I probably didn't succeed in pulling every single amazing one. I'm going to go through a couple that you pulled here because I think you did a decent job, Nick. You had uh, EGM you. with Etty had it all. Mm-hmm. Millhouse with the left back FC, of course. Miles with a Peps Panica pain. Uh, Trey with the Pep Sen location. <laughs> Uh, Luke with the Aguero's failed tryout Uh, you had Eagle Eye Gib with the play all 90 Nicholas J. Gomez with the one more time little Daft Punk action there always enjoy that Mr. Thurman our boy Jake with the third place please Derek with the mentality of champions Randy with the (laughs) Pep needs Pepsid and our boy D. Mears with the Agent Taylor fails Trying to make himself part of the narrative, just couldn't do it. And then our f- wonderful friend Stanford Chidge with the Sterling has depreciated. That was a really good one. That Very I think class. that's my favorite one of the the whole the whole bunch. That was really he used the pound Sterling spelling, but I think we all know what he's talking about. Yeah, our boy Raheem. Uh, <clears throat> look, we've got our own as well, right? Nick, yours is the one I understand the least, so I'm going to give you some time to. To go that, through it. I will explain it in detail. Um, <laughs> it, as it is a pop culture reference, uh, Brandon. It is a movie, so that's pretty cool. I, I did watch this one because I'm a nerd. Uh, I, my my three-word match review is in the end game. Uh, and I used a little photo of Doctor Strange predicting all of the 14 million scenarios that could happen through the end of the season. Because <laughs> we're we're in it now. I mean, it's, it's full bore uh, the last five or six matches. Yeah, 538 is making its uh, money right now purely off Chelsea and these ever-changing probabilities. Uh, Dan, what about you? So I went with a Fridged the Champagne. Oh, Dan. Oh, Dan. Dan, Dan, I, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's sassy. It's sassy. Dan, I'm stealing from you. I said they're all finals. All these matches. All of them. It, that's Finally what, getting my credit. That's what, it, that's what it feels like. And then Naz, the true pro, what's your three-word match review? Similar to Dan's, but unlit blue flares. Don't forget, there's like Man City fans stood outside the stadium yesterday, ready to party, ready to go crazy. 
And just imagine being them, just be Alonzo scores, you just go home. Oh, uh, it's amazing. Unlit blue flares is so good. 94th minute. Absolute freaking heartbreak. Um, I think at this point we can jump right on into the match review because why wait? So in case you missed it, it was Manchester City in the Premier League this past Saturday, the 8th of May at the Etihad. I can't even use the empty hide joke because it's government regulations, but yeah, nonetheless, didn't matter. Uh, in case you missed it, scoreline, Sithe 1, Chelsea 2, picking up all the points on the road. Let's go ahead and throw it over to the fifth stand-up, Chelsea's official app. Uh, for the highlights, remind us, remind us how sweet, sweet this match went. Here we go. Jesus. Oh, Christensen hasn't dealt with it. And Aguero. Oh, it's been turned in any way by Sterling. Well, a catalogue of errors, first from Chelsea, then from City. But Sterling scores 90 seconds before the interval. Jesus. Torres. Jesus tried to poke it in, and the referee says penalty. Oh, what a catastrophic end to the first half for Chelsea. Billy Gilmore, it's a penalty to Manchester City. Sergio Aguero to make it 2-0. Here goes Aguero. Oh, he's tried to chip it, and Mendy just catches it. Goodness me. Probably the worst penalty I've seen this season, if not this decade. And Piliqueta squares it for Ziyech. Pulisic has Piliqueta. Ziyech, brilliant! A magnificent goal for Chelsea. Hakim Ziyech finds the bottom corner to equalise. A superb goal. Here goes Pulisic. Ten minutes to go. Chelsea looking by far the more likely. James, oh Get yes, Hudson-Odoi in the right place, but the flag is up, the flag is up again, Chelsea denied, just about offside. Edouard Mendy, virtual spectator for much of this second half, that could change here though. Oh, what, what an important challenge that is from what, Kurt Zuma. What a tackle, that is magnificent. Hudson-Odoi, lovely little flick to Werner. Oh, a chance! Yeah. Alonso! Can you believe it? 2-1 to Chelsea, deep into stoppage time. Marcus Alonso, second goal of the season, a memorable one. The referee has the whistle to his lips, and what a fantastic victory for Chelsea. Marcus Alonso with the winner, Manchester City 1, Chelsea 2. All right, Dan, lineup time. Here we go. All right, so for the lineup of this match, Edouard Mendy between the sticks. It was Azpilicueta, Christensen, Rudiger as the back three, Marcus Alonso and Golo Kante, Young, Wee Bill Gilmore, and Reese James as your midfield grouping. You also had Hakim Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, and Timo Werner as your attacking three. Unused subs, Kepo Aretha Balaga, Tammy Abraham, Olivier Giroud, Kai Havertz, Emerson Palmieri, and Valentino Liramento getting his first appearance in a Premier League match on the bench. Did not get a chance to make it into the game. Caleb Hudson-Odoi, Kurt Zuma coming in for Christensen's injury, and Jorginho all made appearances off the bench. All right, some of the top-line stats, we don't need to get into all of them, but actually Chelsea edging possession, 52% to City's 48 uh, we had 12 shots, five on target. City had 16 shots with four on target themselves. Um, because this used to be a big deal, we had more passes than City, who used to be the tiki-taka team. Our pass accuracy was 90%, which is a good 7-8% more than our last match against Madrid. Uh, City with 91. So again, if 
you kind of want to compare the passing, the amount of passes. We were going toe-to-toe with City in this match. We were definitely not long ball hoofing it and running after it on the counter the entire time. Uh, we had 10,000 City 12. They picked up the only two cautions of the match. Five offsides for Chelsea might might be a sore subject. Hey, how many red cards did they get, though? Oh, yeah. So I skipped that because there were none. Oh, so. okay. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. cool. Uh, they had one offsides, and we had two corners to their six. So, as we usually wrap this section with the at XG philosophy, Man City 1.81 to Chelsea's 0.58, yet the scoreline 1.2. Naz, dealer's choice, XG stats or lineup? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just uh, the XG is just going to go to another level as well next season. I've, I've got a feeling, I got an email saying they're going to throw more X, Xs in us next season, like expecting everything. So, yeah, just just see that coming. Um, Opta are taking it to another level. I, t- I tell you what, um, lineup. What was your thoughts when you first saw that lineup? Uh, you know, everything to play for. City have to win their title. They made a bunch of changes as well, but it's from Tuchel's standpoint. I think the one thing that we've heard over and over is that he keeps making these changes. He keeps making um, these decisions on the lineup. We question it. Where's Christian midweek? You know, potentially today he makes more changes, but he gets the results. Like you, it, you can't fault him for any of this. No, he's a great rotator. I I always feel sorry for Tuchel when people criticize him for not playing this guy or that guy, but like he's mastering it. He's mastering it, the rotation for the way he wants to play. Um, I think Pulisic was quite frustrated to be left out of Real Madrid, but got to play his part in a massive game. So hopefully that's like, you know, ended any of that frustration. Um, And yeah, like Billy Gilmore was a huge surprise in midfield, just, you know, he kind of hasn't really rotated Gilmore in, but I guess he proved himself against Fulham and then got a shot in a big game, which is brilliant to see. Um, not easy as well, by the way, coming in even after that. Uh, same for Alonso, really. Great performer. Um, James um, has missed out on some big games lately, so to come in here and do so well, brilliant. Um, and then, yeah, the the back three, pretty solid, pretty much what you'd expect. Thiago Silva rested. Christensen pushed to the limit, maybe too far. Uh, that's something that uh, Thomas Tuchel said, um, that maybe he maybe he was partly at fault for that injury. But you're going to have to push people to the limit because that's football right now. Like, people are playing a crazy amount of games and and some something's got to give at some point. You've got to expect injuries. But you know what? Um, City also rotated their squad hugely as well. Um, and it was a battle of the squads. And I think it's quite significant that Chelsea sort of won the battle of the squads because these are the best two, I think, in England. Squad depth, um, surely the best two um, teams. And, and yeah, for City to come out on top when both teams had a bit of reserve in there, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty says a lot about next season as well. Uh, the, you know, we'll talk about the Champions League final, what it means for that. But about next season, it's a squad game. So if Chelsea are going to win a league title... Everyone's got to be involved, and and Tuchel's rotation has been masterful, and and that depth is is already great. So whatever they do in the transfer window, they're starting from a great position. The the whole season's been a squad season. You need more than eleven players to compete at this level, and you know I think I think there have been times where if you're Callum Hudson Odoi, you're probably frustrated that you haven't made it even as a sub into the game. You know, today was a chance for him to prove himself. And I think he acquitted himself well. We'll talk about some of those 
those players. But it was interesting as you as I looked at the lineup to see Pulisic and Ziyech kind of inverted from their normal positions, uh, purely for I think defensive reasons and tracking and things like that. But uh, it didn't really suit either of their games. It was a sacrifice play um, to ensure that we had the right pressing and the right defensive cover. And it just proves to me that Tuchel is getting through to everybody on this team, especially creative types who may like to freelance a little bit and, and do their own thing, that it's not about them. It's about the team. It's about the performance and it's about winning. Uh, and if Chelsea can, can really get over that hump in these next you know three weeks with the winning, I mean, the mentality should be excellent heading into next season. And that's, that's really key. All I'm saying is that we've won a Champions League with about one combined hamstring amongst all the center backs before. So uh, <laughs> I'm still holding out hope. But hey, we're going to jump into our ad break. When we're back, uh, we're getting into the fact that Tuchel has been having masterclass in the crucial top four matches uh, with his squad. We're going to be calling players out by name, celebrating them. So thank these sponsors for financially supporting the show. Uh, we'll be right back. All right. Tuchel masterclass. In a crucial top four game amongst many missing stars. Look, lined up differently, Dan. Pep responded, you know, trying to play his own mind games, making some changes. Look, Pep has kind of gotten this rapport ever since he left Barcelona of overthinking quote unquote big matches. I'm not going to put those words in your mouth. I'm just interested to hear what you think about this Tuchel Pep matchup. Uh, so, uh, leading the witness, um, look, it was a very interesting game. And, you know, I know Nick made a movie re- reference earlier, and we were talking about this before we started recording. But when we talked with Naz about it, it was like this this match was like Parasite. You know, you had what you thought was a regular movie for the first 45 to 60 minutes. And then the last 30 just went absolutely bananas. It completely went in a different direction. And so... You know, I think Tuchel had comments after the match where he talked about the fact that, you know, for the first really 45 minutes, for the first 43 minutes or so, you know, in the first half, it was a really back and forth affair. No one really had dominance in this. There were multiple changes on both sides of the ball, maybe more on the city side. But there are plenty of players in each of these lineups that are going to be a part of the Champions League 11 for the final. It's not like this is a complete part and parcel change. And yes, there are a few that are different. There are a few like Billy Gilmore is most likely not going to start in the Champions League final for Chelsea. Um, but I, you know, Nick, I, in general, I think this was, this was actually a really competitive match. And I think where management made more of an impact on it than maybe some of the individual player performances. I think this was definitely getting to see the, the master tacticians at work. Hundred percent. I mean, I I don't think it would be too outrageous to say that these two managers are probably in the top three tactical managers in the Premier League. Uh, you know, I think they they both have extraordinary strength in this area, and Pep has clearly had an absurd amount of success at City. They are the the gold standard right now in the Premier League. They have earned it all year. Uh, I did think it was telling, though, that they tried to do the thing that a lot of teams did when Antonio Conte brought the the three four three to Chelsea, and that was mirror that setup. And 
we noticed this a few weeks ago too, that when teams try and do this and they don't do it consistently, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look cohesive, especially with, you know, and city has all the talent in the world to play you know, this kind of formation. They have a lot of different types of players to play this setup. It didn't look good from them. It didn't look like a classic city performance. They looked disjointed and the, the center backs, especially when you, when you transition into a three, that's a whole different world for those center backs to be living in. And, and they didn't look like they had a, a whole lot going on there. So I just, I mean, I thought it was telling that, that Pep tried something different. I mean, there was obviously going to be some caginess Naz ahead of uh, the final um, in the Champions League, but uh, I thought that Tuchel got it right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, he always gets it right, but Chelsea don't really change the tactics, so teams know what they're going to do, but it's hard to stop it, you know. I mean, at least formation-wise, they might play a higher line or they might press in a certain different way, but... They're pretty much, you know what you know what to expect. You probably can predict most, well, sort of predict some lineups, especially in big games. So, yeah, I think that it's interesting though that other teams are being forced to change for them. But I think with Pep as well, I, in a way, I don't think that this was so significant between managers. Okay, Tuchel is clearly going to be competitive for a long, long time against Guardiola, and now, uh, you know, you had Dortmund against Bayern Munich, but. Even Dortmund were a long way from Bayern, but now Chelsea uh, are behind City, yeah, but not by a lot. So he can really compete, and on ninety minutes, Chelsea can compete. Um, so yeah, I think that it's not that significant between those two. They respect each other so much anyway, um, and they always will. But I think that for the players, like just so they know that they can outdo City over two games already before a Champions League final, I think that's the biggest thing from this. Players like Gilmore, if they have to step in, Reese James playing against Mendy, who's a £50 million centre-back. Reese James was playing at Wigan two seasons ago. Like That's a big difference. So he's he knows that he can get the better of a £50 million player. Um, not that he was probably scared before, but he really knows he can do it in a big game when the pressure's on. Um, and there's and there's stories like that across the whole team, um, and yeah, I think that that's I, I'd say that's that's significant. Even players like Timo Werner, they they haven't really done it at this level before. Um, Leipzig's a good level, but Chelsea's a step up. It's a step up from Leverkusen. Um, you know, it's a step up from Dortmund where Pulisic played. So uh, and Ajax where Hakim Ziyech played. So all these players are learning that they can do it against the best team in Europe you know, probably the best team in Europe right now. And the, the gap isn't that big as it, is, as it is in points. The table is lying, I'm trying to say. Um, no, but, it, it, you know, it kind of is because Chelsea are only four points behind Man City since Thomas Tuchel took over. Um, you know, City got 39 points in that time and now Chelsea have had 35 points. So if the, if the league table was just that period, it would be looking a lot better right now. And City would be a lot more uncomfortable after losing that game. Um, so it does say a lot, I think, um, in those regards. But, uh, yeah, I think that as, as for a one-off game, I think that Pep was hiding his tactics. I think he played this crazy formation, one to rest players, two to hide his game plan. So we don't know what Pep's going to do. And like you said, Pep is overthinker a little bit. But I don't think he was – I think he was kind of overthinking for the game. But it was also just a, a don't give something away kind of game plan as well. Um, so I thought that was absolutely fascinating. You don't see that very often. 
They, they would have wanted to win the title, though, yesterday, right? I mean, they would have wanted to get that done and dusted and not have to, you know, sweat these last few Premier League matches. That, that was kind of the curious part to me is, yeah, it's fine if you want to, you know, the Champions League Finals, obviously, an incredibly big game for, for both teams. But I would have thought that they would have come out and tried to just get that thing done. Um, mm. But, you know, they didn't. And, Brandon, I, I think there's a reason why. Well, so I'm, I'm on FB ref right now, and City ripped off three shots in the first eight minutes. They had one in the fourth, the eighth, the eighth, right? So they definitely came out and pushed in the first 10. I think then it slowed off. Chelsea had a nice little run of 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 possession. Then obviously we get to the halftime, right? And I, I think, though, if you just want to talk about the Pep versus Tuchel, um, I, I definitely understand where Naz comes from saying I think Pep is playing the long game here a little bit. He would have expected the team to still be able to go out, understand what he wanted them to do and deliver. They didn't. But when you take this this quote from Thomas Tuchel, remember he said, quote, I'm going to make Chelsea a team no one wants to play against, end quote. That just means we're going to be miserable to play against. We might not be the prettiest thing going forward. But whatever you throw at us, he's like, we'll be able to absorb it. We'll be able to take it. We'll be able to deal with it. We'll be able to be hurt you on the other end going mentally um, strong enough. Exactly. And so you've now pipped Guardiola twice, Simeone twice, Mourinho, Ancelotti, Klopp, Zidane. He's conceded one goal against all of those teams. I mean, the, like conceded one goal against their teams combined. Like he, he's never giving up more than one at most. And most time it's a clean sheet, right? Benzema got one. Obviously, um, in this match, Aguero somehow assisted Raheem Sterling. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's two goals. Two but, goals. Yeah, I know that, I'm laughing yeah, at the, the, Aguero, the Aguero assist to Sterling in this one. Um, like, you're just not getting anything. And Statman Dave comes in with the hammer on this one. He says, Chelsea in the Premier League since Tuchel was appointed. 35 points. That's second most. 11 clean sheets is the most. 9.55 XG conceded is the, the least. Nine goals conceded is the least. And then they've gone around and done it in Europe as well. So, again, I think losing Frank sucked. I think most fans are are way, 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 way surprised at just how good it's gone under Tuchel. And, I mean, you see a lot of people who are like, I'm never going to fall in love with the manager again. <laughs> They're like, damn it, Tuchel. <laughs> you're making this really hard because of just how good he's done literally overnight with this squad. Uh, I mean, I, you know, Chelsea managerial appointments are more like, a, you know, Tinder relationships, you know, they're not, you know, long-term marriages. And so it's all about the success of the, the moment. But what's more impressive to me is if you net out the five goals we conceded to West Brom, that's four. That would be four goals conceded, <laughs> which is even sillier. And you could give West that, Brom two, right? You could give them over a over half the goal. Well, I think their their expected goal in that match was like two. So West, yeah, West sure, Brom scored two. eight against us this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, soon to be relegated, West Brom. Thank God. All right. Well, hey, it's not just uh, the managers and and we should say his backroom staff. Correct. Obviously, yeah, it, it takes an entire team. Um, but the players on the pitch, Nick, I'm just going to get out of the way, right? 
Clear, clear the deck. Sis Pilaqueta is back. You got this tweet from Squawka, which I felt like was for you specifically. Um, many unsung heroes in this match, but we are going to start with the captain or El Capitan. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know there is there. Reese James is going to eventually put the, you know his his numbers to to bed if he if he plays like he's going to, but. I think Assist Piliqueta is underrated in his goal contributions uh, in his Chelsea career. He now has 33 assists. It's the most for any Chelsea defender, as one Nizar Kinsella uh, tweeted out. Uh, it's the most for any CSC defender in the Premier League. As a so, left back, a right back, right back, right center back, center like. <laughs> I, I mean, he he does he may not be he may not have the same level of quality service that that Reese does. Like we already know that Reese does, but he gets it done. And and the ball he put in today was phenomenal, it's phenomenal. Uh, so wanted to put that on there and then just share a couple of stats: hundred percent passing accuracy and opponents uh, half. That's pretty good. A hundred percent of aerial duels won. Not the tallest guy on the pitch. 97 touches, most. 73 passes completed, most. Nine duels won, most. Five tackles, most. <laughs> three clearances, most. Three aerial duels won, most. Two interceptions, most. One assist. I don't know. Is that well, good? We were we were doubting whether he was going to play again a couple weeks ago. And his last two performances uh, against Real Madrid and against Man City have been two of the better performances of his entire career. I mean, he's turned it up to 11 it's been incredible Dan look he he knows his career isn't going to go on forever he is seizing the opportunity to the max Naz I mean I think he recognizes he could you know he'll probably play another few you know two three seasons whatever whatever he wants to do but the fact is this is probably it the amount that he could go out with adding these two trophies to his CV his mentality is insane, which realistically has always been kind of his his best attribute is his his mentality and why he is captain. But um, Aspie in the last two matches to Nick's point is huge. Oh, my God. Yeah, it could crown his legacy as well this season if he lifts the trophies, because I think the only other one he's lifted is the Europa League as captain. Um, mm -hmm. I think he did it with Gary Cahill hand in hand. Um, who was the club captain at the time? So he gets to do it on his own for the first time, and it would be it'd be huge from that regard. Um, after all his service over the years, he is a Chelsea legend, um, and you know Thomas Tuchel actually absolutely loves him. You know he sets a standard in training. Um, he's actually probably not the most talented player. Um, in the world, you know, sort of natural talent. You were comparing him to Reese there. Reese has. Probably more actual talent, but Aspilicueta is one of those professionals who's just totally worked at it. He's done, he's lived the perfect footballer's life where he's completely dedicated. He's got the most out of his abilities, a bit like Frank Lampard did when he was a player where he was also not rated as a wonder kid particularly. He was rated very, very highly, of course, um, but he wasn't rated as a potential Ballon d'Or top three wonder kid but he got to that level through unbelievable hard work, um, dedication, um, you know, assessing your game in a self-critical way. Uh, Aspliqueta does that. And 
that's probably why he can play in so many different positions. There's an intelligence about him. Um, and we've seen it over these just last few games. To play wing-back from centre-back is so different. You couldn't even believe it. I mean, he was exhausted after the Real Madrid game. He, I think he got subbed off late on, which is so rare to see from Aspilicueta. But that's the output that he's putting into these matches. And, and this is every three days. This isn't... This isn't like, um, you know, one game a week or anything like that. Um, that that just gives you even more respect for him. Um, so, yeah, what a pro. Um, what an example to everyone else. And, and, yeah, he's one of those that, you know, as a journalist even, like I go to the – before COVID, you go to the games and Chelsea maybe lose like 2-0. Nobody wants to talk. He'll be the one who talks. Or he won't be the guy put up for the interview after the game, but – He'll come over and say, hello, how are you doing? And he'll remember a conversation he had with you last time. That is the kind of guy he is. He just sets the standard in every single regard behind the scenes. And, and I think that that's what can be respected so much. So for him to have these finals, you know, great, deserves it. Um, and he'll certainly start because he's been a starter all along, really, under under Thomas Tuchel. I think he must have played one of the most minutes, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really criticise him. I thought he couldn't play wing-back that well, um, but he's proven me wrong in the last few games. I didn't really like him there under Conte, but under Thomas, he's been excellent. And I think that, um, you know, there are differences between Conte and, and, and Tuchel's probably wing-backs, but he's been excellent. And sometimes the wing-backs are furthest forward, so... He's had a few offside decisions himself. Speaking of offsides, um, yeah, great guy, great guy. Look, his ability to help Reese this season as well, Dan, I think is a is a huge plus. Um, obviously, Lampard preferring Reese Tuchel coming in, preferring preferring preferring. Wow, experience. Um, Callum getting the nod right away, but now Reese is really, you know, it seems like made the swing back and Reese is getting all the minutes and Callum is, is hard to get minutes. He, I think he had fun yesterday against Man City. I mean, I think if you just were to look at it, he enjoyed himself. Look, Brandon, I'm not surprised you got caught up there and tripped over your words because thank you. Reese James is getting a lot of people tied up. He's twisting a lot of people and turning them around and he's doing it with his performances on the pitch. And yeah, he definitely grew into this game. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we'll talk about Gilmore in a little bit. We'll talk about maybe others. But this was a game when you look at his second half where he came out and really became the attacking impetus of this side, was driving forward, was challenging for every ball, was carrying deep into City's end of the pitch, which we were struggling to do in the first half. He really became the link-up player. And then, of course, you know, helped put a nice little cherry on top for the end that completely flipped the script of this match. Uh, the Stamford Fridge, as we've <laughs> elected to call him, 86% passing accuracy, two chances created, two out of three dribbles completed, seven duels won, two tackles, one clearance. It's just a really all-around performance from Reese and a credit to the fact that He's been entrusted, you know, by Frank initially and now Tuchel to go out and do a job against some of the top sides. And, you know, I was looking at some of the Man City fan commentary after the game and they're talking about their Mendy, not our Mendy, and just said, oh, I'm at it like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's still playing. He needs to go. And just the 
absolute gem we have in Reese and just how much not only do we respect him as supporters, but how much respect and plaudits he's getting uh, within the England side from Garrett Southgate, but also from opposition teams is, I think, another reflection on just how good he really is. Again, the tightness of the system is what is allowing these players to go excel, especially when they're kind of coming in and in and out of of the the rotation because we've had to rotate a lot. And, you know, Reese is the same one. Again, he'll go on a stretch, maybe Aspie will play wing back. It, there's just a lot of different moving parts, but he knows what he needs to do and he does it on the training pitch. So then when he gets into game, it's it's predictable for him. And then Nick, someone who is had to come in out of nowhere and play a couple matches in two weeks is one Billy Gilmore. And again, the system benefits him. If you were just to throw Billy in and say, yeah, just kind of occupy this space and look for these different things, he'd struggle because he hasn't played all season. But instead, he's able to come in against Manchester City and put in a shift. Yeah, I mean, I mean, talk about trust, right? I mean, I think we all wanted to see more of him this season than we have. Uh, I think he he likely wanted to see more minutes due to the Euros than than he's received to this point. Uh, and and then, you know, just best kind of abilities, availability, you know, giving Jorginho a big rest, you know, in, in, in a game where our midfield's kind of thinning out due to uh, Kovacic's injury. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I was really proud of his performance. I mean, he had 71 attempted passes, 66 successful passes, 15 final third passes, three ball recoveries, two chances created, uh, two long passes, one switch of play on the ball. I mean, he's, he really stepped into this game. He grew into it too. He didn't have his best first half of football he's ever played. Um, but I think in the second half, his dynamism, his ability to get out of trouble, uh, in tight spaces when City decided that they were going to press and to know that he had N'Golo Conte, you know, I saw a tweet that it was, it was Billy starting with N'Golo Conte on either side of him, which was kind of a, a cute thing, uh, you know, to know that he had an outlet uh, a lot of times to pass the ball to him, break that press was, had to be comforting. But I mean, he had to do the hard work yesterday. I mean, he, he ran the most of any player uh, for Chelsea covering uh, 12.44 kilometers, and he had the higher, the highest average speed, which I don't think a whole lot of people would have uh, would have guessed uh, going into this, which I know Nazi tweeted out. So it is, uh, it's just a credit to him to kind of come out of the cold and uh, you know put in a, a big performance against a really tough team to play. I mean, City's midfield, I think, pound for pound, is the best in Europe, and. You know, when they're all firing, they're really tough to play against. So, you know, for Billy, let's hope that he uses this and goes from strength to strength because I think he's a player. Everyone thinks he's a player. I mean, it's just he needs the opportunities and the at-bats. Naz, you want to touch on your uh, your mentions? I know you had that tweet about how you got a lot of fans slagging him off in the first half. And you kind of came to his defense a little bit and then – is the same thing. I, I had said something about uh, Mendy saving Aguero's penalty, and I had a Man City fan in my in my mentions uh, about how we're losing. And so uh, I patiently waited till the 95th minute to respond, <laughs> just like I'm sure you could have with Billy. Yeah, so many reactionary tweets. But, yeah, it's amazing that people can be so negative, even, you know, with, with how well things are going. But, yeah, Billy, like, it's coming as a – as a teenager against Man City, the best team in England, and, um, you know, do that uh, pretty much cold. 
Because I don't think the Fulham game was anything like this game. The Fulham game was slow. This game was intense for those players. And Billy, um, you know, just the pressure on the ball, he must have had every time received it. That's that's not easy. I think that, um, yeah, it's incredible. I bet he's earned so many kudos from the dressing room. I, I heard Rudiger interviewed actually on the fifth stand-up after the game, and he was... He was he was doting about Billy Gilmore coming in um, in this in these circumstances and and just just doing a decent job that would have been enough. I mean the fact that they subbed off Kante instead of Billy Gilmore both, while you know a game's in the balance. Yeah, I mean yeah, both Kantes is playing either side of Billy Gilmore. One tweet I saw was great. <laughs> yeah, but the fact they subbed him off, even though they, you know, that the match was in the balance and the and it was such a big game. Let's not forget that the top four. We talk about the Champions League, but the top four is big. Um, and and to just leave him on because you know he's going to do a job like that's a huge boost to the manager, I think. Um, and and yeah, Thomas Tuchel probably did ignore him a little bit too much. Um, and and the, than a lot of us would have liked, but he's probably proven himself now um, just from that game alone. Um, incredible stuff. And yeah, I think that you've got to respect that these guys are going to need time. They're going to have bad moments, but to, to overcome it within a match against Man City is huge, I think. And yeah, with Reese as well, um, I, I think that sometimes he's also trying to get up to speed under Thomas Tuchel. I think that the fact he's been left out of the team a few times in big games, I think that shows there's one small piece of the puzzle missing for him. He is a Rolls Reese. Um, I absolutely believe that. Like he's technically immense, physically immense. Um, but I think tactically there's still a slight element, you know, when I go to these games, you know, without the fans there, um, I just hear Thomas Tuchel and who he coaches the most on the pitch. And, and Reese sometimes is one who gets it in the air. Um, Reese, really Reese. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just Reese, Reese, there, 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 there. And Reese is like, oh, Thomas, <laughs> stop it, man. <laughs> but, like, I just think that's so that's so fascinating to see that that side of it. And, um, yeah, it must be really hard for Reese because I think football comes easily to him. It's, he's a natural, but uh, the real top level, um, I mean, Guardiola punishes players constantly. And, and that's what Tuchel brings as well. It's that unbelievable drive for per- perfection. And Reese is having to adjust as, as an elite footballer. I think he should start for England, by the way, but that's just another point. But, um, you know, just these small details are really being ingrained into him. So he's got the technical side, absolutely. He's got the physical side. Let's get the, you know, tactical side up to the level of the other two. And I think that that's where, that's where Reese is developing. And he could become, you know, maybe with, with Thomas, he could become the best right back in the world. Who knows? Um, he could certainly become maybe top five. So absolutely brilliant for him, this learning experience. Well, we, we would take that, Naz. We would take that all day. And I think with the other last point, maybe on Billy here, Brandon, is let's not forget that his match versus Fulham and now this, that's 180 minutes. He'd only He's only played 216 minutes of Premier League football this season. And that was a nine-minute sub-in versus Everton back in the middle of December and 27 minutes in the loss to Manchester City in the beginning of January. So to come out of the cold, to come in and be impactful two matches in a row, particularly with the evolving level of quality, the step up from Fulham to Manchester City, that's the impressive part of it. Not losing the head, 
working his way into the match and then starting to drag two or three players out of position with just how he was making his runs and, and controlling the ball. All right. So moving on, it is Marcos Alonso who runs down the wing for me. Yeah. Another guy who is started under Tuchel. Played a lot of minutes. We're like, damn, yep, he's a wing back. This is his role. Chili B said, no, 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 I got this. Has proven his worth at the left wing back spot. Obviously, we had to rotate. Marcos Alonso comes in, scores the winner. I mean, <laughs> Nick, I was looking at this. Marcos Alonso had two shots in the entire match, both on goal. They're in the 89th and the 92nd minute. Oh, <laughs> uh, li- he was living in City's half, his whole second half. <laughs> So we scored with Hawken, right? Ziyech scored around the 63rd minute. Between the 63rd and the 89th minute, we didn't have a shot. Not even on target, a shot. It was city, 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 city. <laughs> you know, pushing and pushing, trying to get the edge again. 89th minute, Alonzo. 92nd minute, Alonzo. He appears and he does what he, he have. Ironically, he didn't even score with his left foot today. <laughs> Well, and the the funny stuff between him and Callum, who got a touch on the ball, you know, and, you know, the banter between teammates. It was so it was funny as hell to see. But I, I mean, there, I saw a tweet yesterday, yesterday that said if if he was starting at striker for Chelsea, he'd have more than he'd have more than uh, Salah's 33 goals uh, from from a couple of seasons ago. It's hard. It's hard not to see that. To me, like he's just so clinical. Might be the most clinical finisher we have in the box. <laughs> I mean, just what a, what a delicate. You know, whether he mishit this or hit it on purpose, it's a delicate little chip over Ederson, who is a really good goalkeeper, uh, to win the match. Uh, I, I don't know. It was it was perfect and. I think the stat is that he has now, with his 23rd goal for Chelsea, more than Shevchenko had during his time. Just, just to <laughs> tell what? you, just to tell you how many goals this guy has scored during his Chelsea career, and and what his what his end goal is here. It like he loves scoring. So stupid. That, it's that's a wild stat, man. He's like Frank Lampard with his movement. He's, you know, more than a striker. I think he's like Lampard. Just He's like a ghost. You can't pick him up in the box. You don't expect him to be where he is all the time. So he just finds space. And that's football as well. It's it's brilliant. Um, it's un- so strange to see such a strange player, you know, a left back or a wing back who does that. It's, it's bizarre, but it's got that Lampard laser guided. He just knows where the ball's going to drop. It's brilliant and there's been headers in there as well don't forget i remember one away at slavia prague a few years ago where i was like and it was last minute as well and he's got loads of last minute goals he's got one against tottenham as well so it just blows you away that, that side of it i remember he got a last minute one against bournemouth as well they just i'm getting i'm having get alonzo flashbacks here um <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> he's a he's a clutch player i mean he really is i mean you're just talking about the amount of goals and in, in big game moments like he for whatever reason just turns it on in these situations and it is it is a weird thing because you watched him play against brighton a few weeks ago it was it was not a good performance, right? But today against City, hypothetically a much harder opponent than Brighton. 
Yeah. He's there. He, he, I think we all agree that he has to be top two uh, in the squad of just pure ball striking ability. Oh, my God. Out of His the left air, foot's a missile. Off the ground. Shit. Like, he can just shape up a shot. He's free kicks. Uh, he's his left foot is is a weapon, and it was a good reminder today uh, that Marcus Alonso can perform at the big stage. So we'll uh, see how things go. Who has the better left foot, though? Well, Hakim Ziyech. Hakim Ziyech would definitely will have loved to throw his name on that hat. Uh, kind of a weird day for him, uh, but got a massive goal um, after really not doing a lot in the first half, but. Uh, a lot of Chelsea players didn't do much in the first half. Neither did City. It was a weird first half. So I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, but Dan, Hakim Ziyech with three shots in the match, three of them all on target, scored last time. It just, I don't know. He, City doesn't phase him. Man likes scoring against Man City. So I feel like he is working his way into potentially a starting position here for the the final. If you want to kind of think about streaks and keeping things alive, uh, I would be very happy for him to be in Tuchel's starting 11 if he's going to continue that run because I don't think there'll be much difference in terms of uh, scoreline when it comes to a potential Champions League final. It's going to be the tightest of margins. And look, he worked himself into dangerous positions. I think it was interesting to see some of, some of the flips of having you know him playing on the left and, and Pulisic playing on the right, which didn't necessarily seem to suit Either of them terribly well. I mean, they've switched, they switch multiple times during the match though, which is how Tuchel likes his front lines to operate. He likes a lot of fluidity. And, uh, you know, I think what was beneficial is, uh, even though he wasn't always onside, uh, Timo Werner really stretched the defenders out of position, mm-hmm. particularly when you think about, you know, Lapore and, and Stone, you know, um, Lapore and Diaz. I mean, they, they're, they're starting center backs for, for, for Pep. I mean, they will be a part of the lineup that we face. And so it'll be interesting to see if we can, Naz, if we can take a similar position with the way that we use Ziyech in this match to really occupy the space that Werner was creating and take advantage of it in the final. Yeah, I think the reason why, you know, Werner doesn't score against City, but, you know, other players do is because Werner's usually the one creating the space. He's usually the one making those runs in behind and then, putting in a cross like he did in the semi-final. Um, and yeah, I think City have found themselves over the years under Pep, even though their defenders are quite quick, um, that really, really rapid players can hurt them. Um, I remember Adama Traore was like that for them. Every time they played Wolves, Adama Traore used to punish him. And and it's the same with Werner because Werner is just something else for speed. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, so I think that that... I think that he's going to be an absolute guaranteed start of the final. I mean, we all know anyway because, he, you know, Thomas loves him. He loves Timo Werner. And the work rate that he puts in as well with the press is great. So, yeah, he misses chances, of course, and it's frustrating to watch. But there's so much else that he does. Um, and, yeah, running into those channels really causes problems for even Diaz, who, um, you know, at times is probably as uncomfortable as he's been, you know, ever this season. Um, and, and you're going to have to make him comfortable because he's a, he's a clutch player himself. We talk about clutch players. Um, yeah, just a shout out to Ziyech as well, just that goal. Um, it did swing a bit m- more momentum in Chelsea's favour. Without that pure clean strike in that moment, it might have been a different story. Um, and that's why you have him. That's why Chelsea bought him. 
there's few players in the world who can hit it as cleanly as that and beat Edison from that range. That was not an easy goal by any means. And it was pure power that beat him. It's not, you know, it's, it's difficult. The replay, it's difficult. the replay showed that for sure. I mean, it was, it was whipped in with serious pace. I mean, it was yeah. a laser. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't hit it that hard, it's not going in. It's a save easy. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a great goal, you know, under the, under the radar, kind of a great goal it's, itself. And it was a, it was a big, big, big moment in that match. So yeah, I think that the front line, they, they've all got something about them, all of them. Um, and yeah, it's so hard to pick who, who plays. Um, we've seen some great Havertz performances as well, haven't we lately? So yeah, I mean, I, I like them all in their own way. And it's about who's he going to play in the final? Who's proven a problem for Man City? I think Werner's one of the names on the team sheet already. Ziyech maybe as well. But how do you leave Mount out as well? It's, it's so difficult. You don't. So to that point, because Callum is the last one we... Well, Callum and, and one more actually. But the point to that, Naz, is this is the time of the season when you want all of the players feeling like they're playing at their peak because then he can say, you might not be starting, but you're coming in to do this role. They're all going to bet on themselves. There's no confidence issues. There's no um, form issues right now. Making this many subs and seeing every single... I still have two more players to get through. And we're, you know, like everyone is clicking right now. And again, Callum Hudson-Odoi coming on. Made a grand cameo, tearing apart City's defense to pieces. Almost scoring. Unlucky not to get his assists you know with offsides you know didn't get his goal marginal offsides and then you see the photos afterwards of Tuchel hugging him putting him in a headlock like showing him how happy he was with his performance this is the Callum Hudson-Odoi who was a subbed that was then subbed a handful of weeks ago it turns out that wasn't as the as a lot of the pundits put out there the most disrespectful worst thing to ever happen it seems that in this situation, Tuchel has not let it become, oh, Callum's off to Bayern. He's upset. He Callum looked excited. He looked hungry. Nick, I he looked like he'd been playing every other week. Yeah, I, I was really excited about this this cameo. I mean, it was it was a game changer because I mean, it's not like Callum's slow either. I mean, there he's he's quick as hell, and I think is is maybe more shifty on the ball than almost anyone else on the team except for Pulisic. So the fact that he was able to get in and out of tight spaces and create absolute havoc for that back three attacking from different angles and, and driving in to city's defense, which is hard to do. Uh, I, I was just really happy for him. And uh, you know, the, the post match is all you need to know about the relationships on this team. I mean, like he hasn't really played that much um, since Tuchel started. Uh, you know, I think those first couple of games were kind of a misnomer, but the fact that he's putting them in a headlock, he's, he's pushing them. He's giving them the, like you came in and you did the job that I asked you to do and more. And I'm really excited for you. That's, it's just a beautiful thing to see. It's what, it's what this team is, is supposed to be like. All right, last one. I'm so excited about this, Dan Zuma. <laughs> now, I, I'm not saying I'm excited that Christensen got injured so that Zuma could come in, but holy shit, Zuma with two absolutely crucial tackles. His legs are so long that these players <laughs> had created separation from him, and he just he didn't even tackle. He blocked. He blocked shots. I. Uh, unbelievable 
Dikembe One does not merely <laughs> separate themselves from Kurt Zuma. It is just not something that is actually capable of being done. It's like the Peter Pan type of shadow thing. Like, you cannot escape that man. He is going to come and find you. And, uh, yeah, um, it was great. It was, uh, I, he's the one guy I would trust in our back line. If, if, if I was going to say, give me one center back on Chelsea's back line to go make a last minute diving tackle, it's Kurt Zuma all day. And look, I think you could question <laughs> and we'll talk about the Anthony Taylor type of situation, maybe the legitimacy of the, the tackle, the second tackle. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you're a player who's maybe been accused of going to ground too easily at times, you know, you have to kind of ride that situation as well. So, you know, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Kurtzuma had a great game as coming in and a deputy and uh, we'll leave it at that. The, be- the best part of any Zuma smash tackle is what I'm calling this um, is that every time he does it, the um, the highlight reel of his best tackles gets updated with even more. Sure. And man, I saw a couple of those uh, come out yesterday and they're so much fun to watch. I mean, he's an absolute unit. <laughs> like he cleans people out and it's, it's just, I couldn't imagine it'd be fun to be on the other side of that. So to Naz, to pick it apart a little bit, I think that Zuma's, lack of comfort as a sweeper is probably what created those situations where he was tracking back. But again, just his ability to close space and make up for that is a great asset to have. Yeah, he's quick as well, isn't he? He's agile as well. You know, that tackle he did late on, um, really late on, that was that was agility. He's basically doing the splits. It looked like it would hurt, you know. Um, it's, 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 it's great physically. He's um, a true athlete. I think that that's what a lot of people describe him as behind the scenes. Um, great physically. So anything in the air or on the ground, I mean, he's pretty much complete in duels. Um, he's not somebody you want to duel with at all at any level um so yeah i mean there's there's the obvious weaknesses on the ball um and that's that's probably why he's been on the bench a lot but you know we talk about depth and that game was a battle of depth and it was great that he had his moments during the game as well with nathan ake on the other side who was a former chelsea player um and and you know a really good option for city as well as fourth center back so yeah, I mean, this is the level, guys. This is what it takes, is having guys like Zuma in the squad. Okay, he wants to start, and he will push for starts in the future, I'm sure. Um, but at the moment, it's just not going his way. But great guy to have behind the scenes as well. Happy's his middle name, so you know he's going to help the squad, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that Nick touched on it as well earlier. I just wanted to mention that I had a few conversations last week with a few insiders, and, yeah, just... It seems like a really happy camp at the moment. I mean, it's easy when you're winning, but you know the fact even those kind of players like Zuma, like Callum, they are kind of positive influences. I don't think you're going to see lots of players complaining and, and trying to throw their toys out the pram at the moment. It's it's just such a happy camp, and everyone's contributing, and, and a lot of the management. I think Emma Hayes does it as well with the women. Um, it, they put an emphasis on the subs and, and what they bring. They have to bring a lot behind the scenes, even though they're not playing, you know, whether that's cheering on your teammates from the bench, whether that's coming on, making an impact, whether that's um, just being a positive influence behind the scenes, the way Emerson was celebrated. That's a big thing about Chelsea right now. That's a big part of the success. Um, and those guys are pushing the first teamers who are being forced to keep their level up. Um, and, and I think that that's where success comes from. 
All right, before we get into injuries, Nick, I'll let you touch on your boy, Anthony Taylor. Um, you your boy! Used the word, Come get your boy, Nick! You used My the word boy. masterclass in this script, uh, but you uh, opted yep. for a different word for Anthony Taylor. Disaster class. Uh, he's... Uh, it, him refing Chelsea matches is is a tough thing to watch. I, I don't know why this is, but, you know, it's it's been consistently bad for a long time. Uh, a couple of keynotes here for him, just in case he's listening to the show. Uh, missing the possible red on Sterling for the studs up into Timo Werner uh, early part of the game. You know, you could argue whether that's a red or not, but considering he gave the red against Kovacic in the FA Cup final last year for a much less egregious foul, perhaps let's have a note on that. Uh, then I don't know about the Gilmore penalty. I could see it going either way, but it seemed as if Billy was trying to pull up, uh, and I don't know how much contact there was there. It just seemed a little odd. Then I think you you could e- easily feel aggrieved about the Zuma no call on the penalty. You know, just to be fair about it, I think there was probably enough contact there to to give the pen, and maybe we were a little lucky. So he, he's kind of over over three here in my mind. Uh, and then just a last note, he's an overall terrible referee. I think there are a lot of little challenges, little fouls, things that he knew were going on with City because they tactically foul. Uh, that's their that's their game, and they're a nastier team than the reputation will ever show. Uh, and he let a lot of stuff go today. Uh, there are a lot of really bad bad tackles and challenges all over the board. So uh, he's not fit to referee a game like that, and that is uh, the bottom line. Look, so I thought Gabriel Jesus on Pulisic towards the end, too. I mean, there was intent. Like, his knee, his leg was he kicked feet out. off the ground, catches Pulisic high calf, the bottom of his knee. Um, he gets a caution for that. But, I mean, there's nothing but... Uh, I'm not saying malicious intent, but intent to bring him down in an aggressive manner. When your when your foot is off the ground, angled high, you're just trying to essentially make a barrier that they can't hurdle, and it just adds to it a little bit. Um, because the last thing we want to deal with, Nas, are injuries. Uh, and you had a couple good tweets here, just kind of breaking down Christensen and Rudiger. So I'll just let you touch on on both of those and <clears throat> go follow Nas if you aren't on social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that um, I thought his performance was kind of poor. Of course, it was poor. I mean, I think I completely agree with Nick on O for O and those decisions, uh, the big decisions in the game. But like, I definitely don't think that he's got anything against Chelsea, which I think is a little bit of a conspiracy theory to be Mister Balanced over here. Let us have our fun, Naz. I think, and I and I think that you know it, it is a really hard job being a referee. I think VAR has confused them and made it made the standard worse. I think that it's actually VAR's fault partly because they they know that VAR can rescue them. Um, like you could see that Werner's goal was offside, but he puts it in, and we have to go and live through that whole experience. And you're like, just put your flag up, man, and we just play on the game. I just hate uh, there's there's so many rules now, and they keep changing the rules that. Being a referee right now is really hard. And I think that, I, I mean, when I play football, I, n- I never respect the ref that much. So I can't really talk. But, <laughs> but, like, but like, yeah, I know it's hard. And, and we need the refs for these matches to go ahead. We want them to be better, yeah. but they're not being helped by the system and stuff like that. And I don't think Anthony Teller has it in for Chelsea. I've seen the, I've seen the track record. It's not good. I I remember mainly the FA Cup final where I felt Chelsea were harshly dealt and such a big game. But look, uh, I think that you could, 
to two FA Cup finals. What the um yeah the one where Alexis Sanchez, Sanchez handball handball yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, so yeah that those that was really bad actually. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hard for you to remember Naz, yeah. but uh, these are things that are deeply ingrained in the soul of Chelsea supporters yeah. who had to deal with Anthony Taylor's. Uh, Fair and balanced. Yeah, but you're not you're not going to do a list about all the times he benefited your team as well. And, and if you probably put it side by side, you probably see just a man of incompetence rather than a man of bias. And and I think that that's probably where it is. And you could probably do this with all the referees. It's just that Anthony Taylor's the focus with some big matches. But hey, Chelsea can win without a referee on their in their in, on their side. And and I asked Thomas Tuchel about it after the match actually about the about the Zuma challenge. And I was expecting, I was, I was just interested. I wanted to see if he'd get angry at Pep as well, because Pep was like bigging it up, like that. That's the reason we lost, sort of thing. Um, and and yeah, Thomas just, he's a master communicator. Because I came out of that thinking, yeah, actually, Chelsea were hard done by during this match. And beforehand, <laughs> I was a bit like, you know what, they were, they were lucky, but that's how good Thomas is at communicating his ideas. I just came out and I couldn't believe it. It was the first time in a while that somebody's completely changed my opinion about a match. Um, and it was, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing to experience, you know, um, and, and that communication style is how he gets his ideas across to his players. So, Wow, I was I was blown away. Naz is like, I'm <laughs> and Naz a- walked into that conversation. He was sitting at the change my opinion table, and Thomas yeah. Tuchel basically like took the whole table away. Yeah. Naz is like, <laughs> I'm an independent around. thinker and a journalist. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I wonder what else he could change my opinion on. Bloody hell! Um, and then Rudiger broke his jaw, huh? Yeah, yeah. So he's, it was in that Real Madrid game first leg. Right at the end, you might remember he, he somebody smacked into his face. Maybe Carvajal. Um, and yeah, he he went off. He he went off and had treatment. Carried on, played the game, the rest of the match. Broken jaw. Played that match with a broken jaw. He's been playing all these other matches with a broken jaw. Um, That's insane. No, that's actually insane. This shocked me when you tweeted this out yesterday. Yeah, hard man. Because <laughs> yeah, a true no, hard you, man. You got to be tough. Yeah. to do that. Yeah, and he's probably been one of Chelsea's best players lately. We've been big. It's just too hard to big everyone up, but he's been one of he's been one of Chelsea's best players, and he's a he's a leader behind the scenes as well. Like the other guys always mention him as a leader, and he's a great communicator, quite fun, quite intense. I think as well behind the scenes, but he's um yeah quite popular. Again, was was potentially looking at an exit in January. His firmly become one of our best defenders again the Tuchel revolution has been insane in a very short amount of time i've uh, got Dan- a question for you guys quickly yeah. if you don't mind um I'm, I'm taking brandon's uh role here i feel uncomfortable but would do you got are you guys happy keeping all the current center backs at the club for next season you would you, you surely would love all four to stay i don't need you bringing up the list of players that I said should be sold at Chelsea. All right. (laughs) I was very much ready to move on from Rudiger and Christensen, like very, like up until recently, it's really, really hard to, to look at what these players have done. But my only caveat is, is Chelsea just need to continue to do their due diligence to always see if there are upgrades and opportunities available if a Ruben Diaz or a VVD is available in the market, you go and buy that player because that, I mean, those look at what Ruben Diaz has done this year. Like he's, he's world-class. I'm, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would say so for sure. I mean, you look at what Virgil Van Dyke did for Liverpool. Like, if you can go find one of those players, then yeah, you go you go do that business. And there there are quality center backs, as as our friend Joe Tweeds would tell us all the time, in Liga in France who are underrated but could potentially be super quality in the Premier League due to their physicality. So uh, I don't know. I, I mean. I, it also depends on the system too, Dan. Like, if we continue to play a three back, then then I think you have a really good set of players here. Maybe Zuma's the odd odd duck in that group, but I mean, it's it's just a without knowing what system you're playing, it's hard to say that, you know. It's probably the biggest point that you would make on that is if we change formation and you go to a two pairing with a left back and a right back, then maybe you want a more solid or even a, a further step beyond number one. But I think when you're playing with three center backs, all of the skills of our current offering are so complementary and they play so well together. And I almost think like, do you want to change what's working so well? Do you want to change something that's taking the Premier League by storm that's allowing you to advance beyond where your, your supporters even thought you were going to be? At this point in the season, in an FA Cup final and in a Champions League final for the first time in nine years, like I, I don't know. I don't think you messed too much with success, Nes. Yeah, I mean, S- Silva's obviously at the end of his career. Aspi is aging, you know. So I think you could probably run it one more season, but you're definitely not doing this two, three, two, three years in the future as well. So um, I think there's definitely some caveats. But as much as I love what we've accomplished so far, I, I try not to be wed and always say like there's room for improvement um, somewhere across the back line or you have to contingency plan with depth or you have to, can, you know, plan on, um, you know, people moving on in one to two years and making sure, you, you know, it's not a jarring transition, which Chelsea have been really good at making in these transitions really jarring. <laughs> Great at it. Love a jarring transition. Yeah. Go, love going from Conte to Sari. It's it's great. Um, Dan of the match. How did this go? I mean, it always goes as it does. You know, some people agree fully. Some people think it misses people. And you know what? I, I really don't care because Reese James was far and away the man of the match, the Dan of the match in this game. And, uh, you know, 65% of people were happy to leave a vote in that. Uh, Billy Gilmore, 20%. Cesar Espelicueto, 10%. Kurt Zuma with around 6%. And only like 20 people responded with a, oh my gosh, you should have selected this person. So, you left I mean, Alonzo look, out, no goal man. scorers. <laughs> Come on. You left Alonzo out? Mendy? No goal scorers. One-handed City should have had two goals. Caught a penalty with, with one hand. Standing. Well, look, that that's more like, that would be, as I said, that would be like putting Aguero <laughs> in there. Because Secret Agent Aguero was really the one who set Mendy up to look amazing. Come on. Hey, he did it. I, look, I am, I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, no goal. I would have had Alonso over Zuma personally. Just me. Two amazing tackles to deny goals. Nez, you wanna you wanna kick him while he's down? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. He's got it wrong there. Um, he deserves whatever <laughs> happened at the end of Parasite, which you two don't know about. But um, yeah, Dan knows Dan knows all about. Uh, he waited till the 110th minute to get that reference yep. in. That was an Alonzo strike, which also he should have he should have been in. I agree with Nick. <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay, let's go ahead and uh, just hit these probabilities and, and the table and see, see where everything stands because there's still more to come uh, in this journey, in this story. So, Dan, 538, huh? Well, 538, this is going to get continue to get updated, right? Because, you know, Man City clearly uh, uh, going to win the title. Sorry, sorry, Naz. Uh, I don't think United are going to get it done here for you, um, even though there's less than a 1% probability. But still, <laughs> an actual probability that they could pull it off. So you're saying uh, there's Chelsea, a chance? Right, <laughs> the, the, the slimmest of margins. If Pep decides to tank every game remaining the season and United can win with their Three matches in five days, six days. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Chelsea with, at this point, a 92% probability to advance. Uh, right now, as we're recording this, Everton are currently ahead, which against you, you know, West Ham, which could be even better for us. Leicester struggling over the weekend as well and about to play Man United. And hopefully that Man United does us a favor. But top four is looking good. Why not us, Nick? Why not us? It's looking okay. It's looking okay. Yeah. God. It's looking God. better. It looks looking better than it was a few weeks ago after Brighton. I'll say that. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think Leicester, the combination of Chelsea beating City, which you know, I don't know if any of us really expected. You know, I was hoping for a, a draw personally heading into yesterday as a as a good result, but uh, those three points are crucial. Leicester looking like they're going to do their late season tank job again, uh, which is tough. And then Liverpool, West Ham, uh, both kind of figuring out who they are at this point of the year. It, I think I think we look relatively assured if we can continue this form. It's, it's still not the easiest run-in. Like, we have Arsenal on Wednesday and, um, you know, have to play Leicester again and, and finish with Villa, but... Uh, but it looks it looks pretty decent. I will I will say that um, the run in. All right, because Chelsea, this this bus is not stopping. Um, Statman Dave jumping in again. He says since the Chelsea last lost a game, they have a qualified for the Champions League final. B qualified for the FA Cup final. C scored nine and D only conceded two. ending the season. Unbelievable form. Um, so we've got Arsenal. All right, coming up on Wednesday in the league. So the Premier League matches continue to come thick and fast. And then we have the FA Cup final against struggling Leicester City. All right, but again, it's it's a one-off match. And then you have to get ready for... Well, then we play uh, Leicester again the following Tuesday. Immediately after. Which is just bananas, by the way. I mean, the rotation that's going to happen in that match is going to be nuts. It's going to make the, City... And the real question like is, if Leicester are concerned with the top four and Champions League because they are starting to see it slip, what happens at this Manchester United game could do a crazy, crazy head job on them before Sunday. West Ham or before the West weekend. Ham losing give them comfort. Five points. Sure. Three matches left. Um, so Well, you also got Liverpool, too. Liverpool beat United. That adds a little bit more pressure, too. There, there's pressure coming up from the bottom, too. It is not necessarily... And they have us to play as well. They've got Spurs. Like, they do not have the easiest run-in. They have the most difficult run-in remaining. So, that's the immediacy. And then, obviously, the fact that Chelsea trying to do the UCL final. Wembley? Villa Park? Maybe Istanbul? Probably not Istanbul. But we'll wait and see. Uh, Naz dropping a massive article says two games, two wins. You Chelsea have the edge over Champions League finals. Opponents, Man City. Go check it out. 
Um, we'll retweet it. Uh, otherwise, you can find it on his socials. But it, it's a one-off. Absolute Chelsea had the quote from Tuchel said, quote, this is a result will not change the final being a unique game. We have to be prepared. There will be changes, but we know we can beat them, end quote. And Dan even ran another poll. I mean, how dare you? Just getting absolutely saucy, running multiple polls in one day. <laughs> this was a good one, though. This was asking if people were more confident, uh, had no change, or were less confident after having now beaten Man City twice. Because I think there's a lot of ways to think about it. You could think about, well, it's so hard to beat the same three, team three times. You could think about it as now there's a psychological edge because you're you're in their head, but now that you've given them bulletin board material that Pep's going to be banging on about, like there's so many ways you could take right. this, Nick. So, and I, I know you are the man, you are the confidence man on this show. So you tell me where are we at. I, I'm the exact same as I was. Like my my favorite point about like yesterday was like, oh, City are going to be really up for it now, as if it wasn't the Champions League final. Yeah. Like, yeah. Give me a fucking break. Like, yeah, they're going to be up for it, man. Like, I don't know if there's any extra motivation you can put on a Champions League final now. It's like that. It's the biggest game that either team will play this season. And they're both yeah, yeah. fine well, for a trophy. Well, so you've been desperate for this. It's like, you remember when Chelsea got into the 2012 final and um, and the one before that, of course, don't forget. Oh, uh, thanks, I won't let you forget that one. Thanks, <laughs> nice, yeah. Chelsea fans don't talk about that one that much, but you know, it was it's like a, it was a big thing for the Roman Abramovich project. It, it went beyond just you know, it went beyond just a sporting thing. It went just beyond like uh, you know, sporting thing. It was an organizational thing. It was we've invested this much money. This is what we want. That's what PSG have been fighting for for years and years. And Man City and Man City are now in their first final. Um, PSG chokes last year. Will Man City do the same? Um, there's going to be more pressure on them because Chelsea have done it. They've they've put that notch on their belt. Of course, they're desperate to do it. It's a great opportunity. You don't get in finals that often. And there will be pressure on Chelsea, but a bit extra on Man City for me. Um, and that will be the focus. That will be the talk. So they're going to have to manage that talk. Chelsea won in 2012 against a great Bayern team um, and handled it. Um, so that's what Man City have to do as well. But it's not easy. It's not easy and not easy against this Chelsea team as well. So, um, yeah, I wonder if that's going to be a factor at play in the final. That's a separate factor, apart from the fact they've lost twice to Chelsea as well. I mean, City should be favoured going into that. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind they should be favoured. It doesn't mean they're going to win it. It just, I think they, on, on balance, they have a better squad and they, they've had more successes here. But, I mean, Dan, I think we're a we're just a bad matchup for them. I, I, I don't... I think this is like Antonio Conte-esque. We're going to shithouse our way and make it really hard for them and see if they get frustrated and lose their head a little bit. Yeah. And It could happen. I actually love the fact that we didn't play Havertz at all, too, who I think is sneakily more physical than a lot of players give him credit for. And him playing versus Diaz and Stones is going to be an interesting decision maybe for the final here about what that looks like but i actually would say i'm more confident i was already the most confident person in all of this and i'm just even more confident because i think we are in pep's head at the moment you know he he that 65th minute where he just looked like confused about like why is this happening to me type of thing where the like the larry david like uh music from kirby enthusiasm should be playing 
I don't know. I, I just feel like this, these are all omens and portents of something that is, you know, just it's a special season. We've caught lightning in a bottle at the moment. And I, I don't know. I just I, we're going to win it. We're going to win it. All right. Well, let's win it. Let's just go do it and be done with it. Exactly. Uh, look, every every match is a final. Like I said, from here on out, the that's the way we've been going. Look, I'll take a 37% chance in the probabilities of winning the Champions League. I'm feeling good. Again, I just think that, you know, Man City have players that are on the decline. Well, it seems like almost all of Chelsea's players are on the rise, including like a Jorginho. You know, Kovacic, have, we haven't seen him. He'll assumingly come back fresh. It's just, I feel like we have so many options. And if we start one way, you can make three impact subs and completely change it and do something different. Five. Depending on the competition, right? I'm saying from here on out the rest of the season. So I'm just full of excitement and confidence and can't wait to see how the season ends. Hopefully not an absolute heartbreak. So continue to enjoy it. Um, A quick way, um, I guess before we wrap, we've we've thrown the gratitudes to the end real quick for today. So um, real quick, I just want to say, Chris and Max, thank you for joining. Jacob and Doug as well on Patreon. Our Discord is absolutely on fire this weekend, except for that one time when I accidentally kicked everyone out and everyone's back in. So apologize for that. It's on me, boss. Um, cool. Uh, we had two Apple podcast reviews from the Shed NFC and Acash. And then Nick, not only is this week looking like a potential five pod banger of a week, that means an episode Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We also have additional announcement. This one's going to feel good true. for you. Well, it, I, I have to give credit to Dan for, for doing the, the legwork what? on this. Uh, yes. Me? Yes, you, Dan. Um, no, the other Dan on the show. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Now, I mean, we, we've been trying to get Mertz stood up for a little while here, and I, it's not gone uh, as smoothly as I would have anticipated, uh, having put a shit ton of work into this myself. Uh, but we are going to stand up a Why Not Us shirt, uh, a limited run Shopify experience uh, before we get our full collection live. Uh, Dan, uh, could you perhaps give uh, details as to uh, who, what, when, more, why? Yeah, so shirts should land uh, at the beginning of next week, but uh, we've got a local, at least to me here in Seattle, uh, women-owned, minority-owned print shop that we're working with who's going to get a limited run out on some very nice Bella canvas tees, uh, very high quality. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting the photos out. Once we get the finalized print uh, proof, we will get that shared on social so you can see what you're looking for. And then we can start taking some orders in advance so that we can get you on the list. We've got a limited number. And if we sell out, we might be able to turn around a quick and quick second run, but that's not guaranteed. So the moment we drop it, if you're interested, you probably want to go get it. And we'll, uh, if you're on Patreon, we're going to give you a sneaky little discount as well, because you are the best followers in the world. Well, and we're going to donate part of the proceeds, right? Uh, oh, as, yeah, there's that well. too. That, this is a good one. Look, we're just do, we're doing the business. Uh, and so look for, look for all those announcements coming this week. But we wanted to get one of these stood up before the end of this crazy season. We made this Why Not Us shirt in November of last year. And, uh, and we shelved it because things didn't go that well. But we've revived it <laughs> at this point. And uh, we're excited about it. And credit to Dan for getting everything stood up. All right, that's it. Naz, we'll get you one in the post. I know how much you're excited about that. 
Yeah, Dan. Yeah. But thank you, yeah. sir. Naz, it's on. so good to see you again. Uh, all the best with the recovery. Um, I hope Chelsea do nothing but deliver gem after gem for you the rest of the season to cover so your clicks just go through the roof. Yeah, yeah it's been quite easy so far. So thanks, Chelsea, for making it like that. And yeah, I'm feeling sorry for you guys because your schedule is a bit like the Chelsea players. You're kind of smashing it, but yeah, you also seem like you're running out of steam, pod after pod after pod. Wow. Um, Coffee. There might be some Christensen-style hamstrings going or, or, or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, love you guys. And yeah, uh, keep it up. Keep up the great work. You, you're doing amazing stuff. Thank you so much, Naz. Nick and Dan, as always, thank you for joining me. But listeners out there, appreciate you all. There's got to be something that you want to say to us on social that we got right, got wrong. Go thank Naz uh, for jumping on the pod and spending time with us. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up until tomorrow. So that's right. We'll be back with the Women's uh, Champion Celebration Pod on Tuesday. And then another one Wednesday, another one Thursday, another one Friday. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. 